Welcome to the Influence Factory podcast. This program is dedicated to support professionals who have a desire to develop their digital business influence so they can navigate through a fast-paced, constantly growing digital world. We invite newcomers as well as our family of business influencers to a place to play, share ideas, questions, tips, and guidance with other thought leaders around the globe. Sit back and enjoy our program with our host, Dean Delisle, as he interviews guests. News and commentary is provided by Kate Hassett and Jackson Delisle. Power Move lessons are provided by the Influencer Marketing Department at Social Jack. And production, editing, and distribution is provided by the Social Jack production team. All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Influence Factory. We have a great show for you today. Uh, so let's go ahead and get started. So real quick community update. Uh, we originally had Bolsher uh, booked for this show, and he is in a jam and cannot make it. He's probably stuck in some L.A. traffic, as uh, typically happens, but he texted with apologies, and we will have him on another episode. But the good news is we have uh, some cool things that we're going to reveal behind the scenes as part of... Uh, uh, you being part of our community to make sure that you uh, um, get to sort of know how to do some of the newest technology-based things uh, to generate new business and to increase your influence. So real quick, we are um, uh, uh, going to be launching. We told you the date of the next influencer class here in Chicago. What's different about that, and Kate and I and Jackson and the whole team are excited, is not only is it a workshop, but we're actually going to be doing interviews ahead of time as you register, and we're going to be writing your social media uh, summary profiles for your bios, your stories. So by the time you get to the workshop, you'll be learning how to maintain that story, how to talk about your story, how to to do social media posting, uh, et cetera, as well as um, use that to attract your brand. So we're super excited about that. Jackson is going to send out a link to everybody uh, to get on the waiting list for that, and those emails will go out next week and you can start registering. If you're on the waiting list, you get first dibs and there's only 50 seats in the Chicago workshop and they will sell out quickly. So just as a heads up. All right, there's that link. All right, so with that being said, uh, we have uh, uh, news uh, today. So uh, this is interesting too. Uh, Kate and I were talking about this. It's how to turn customer feedback into amazing social media posts for your clients. And uh, so I'm going to let uh, Jackson kick it off and uh, Kate and Jackson talk about this. So go for it. Yeah. So <clears throat> the uh, the biggest thing, you know, now is online review sites. That's going to really help with SEO and really help with customer trust, building that, uh, that trust with your audience. Uh, before anyone does anything, it, even myself, before I go out to a restaurant, before I get my haircut at a new place, before I do any of those things, uh, I always check their, you know, well, mainly the Google My Business, which is uh, the, probably the best one, in my opinion, to help with SEO. Because when you Google any business, their Google My Business card will pop up with images, uh, contact information, and even, you know, store hours if they have a storefront. So that is a, that is a, a big thing when, you know, you're building trust with the client that all that information's there. And also you have tons of, you know, positive reviews, getting those positive reviews from clients. What this article really talks about is diving in and getting those getting more people, more customers to leave reviews, how to encourage that, and also how to promote the positive posts that people have already left on your account. So this is a, a really cool article, in my opinion, um, you know, just to help build brand awareness and even, you know, like I said before, building trust with that audience. That's a, it's another huge thing. Because if someone doesn't, you know, have that information, have that trust saying, oh, you know, Susie from Ohio said this was the best experience of her life. I want to be a part of that experience. The, things like that are going to help drive up that trust that, you know, increase uh, business uh, opportunities. And you know, that's one of the biggest things. So sharing them on social is really going to help because you're not only taking it out of the Google search or the, <clears throat> the Yelp page uh, or the, you know, there's other ones, Angie's List, um, uh, 
Better Business Bureau, things like that. <clears throat> and I think, uh, you know, the biggest part of this is that social media is constantly growing. It's constantly evolving. It's constantly, more people are signing up. You know, there was a, a in the uh, social media report for this uh, past year that was posted in November of 2018, uh, it showed that social media users grew by 121 million between just between Q2 and Q3 of 2017. And if you look at that and you think, oh, wow, so 120 million uh, users, 121 million users between Q2 and Q3 of 2017, that's a new user every 15 seconds. So sharing the, your positive reviews on social media uh, and also uh, just, you know, talking about it, driving people back to it, it'll encourage others to leave more positive reviews. Uh, I mean, you're always going to have maybe one negative person, but there's ways to counter that. Just one? I mean, you know, <laughs> ideally, ideally, yes. Ideally, you'll yeah. just have one person. Ideally, you'll have zero people. Honestly. Yeah, and we, we work on this a lot with our customers, uh, you know, and clients in terms of trying to determine, because I think, uh, Kate, what happens is there's an overwhelming uh, aspect to, um, you know, how do you pick your poison here, right? There's you and I were talking about it, it almost gets to the point of overwhelm. So, you know, how do you think about this with the reviews? And I'm sort of curious for the listeners to tell us. What review platforms do you rely on for your business as well while Kate's covering this? Yeah, so, you know, there's a there's a couple really great ways to leverage the reviews. So, so you know as good as I that people don't really like to leave positive reviews. You tend to use the review section as a, an outlet to complain, and we do it. My favorite place to complain is not to leave a review, but to do it on Twitter and be like, hey, by the way, Facebook's down. Does anybody else know what's going on? And they're trying to, you know, avoid that bad press, and they immediately are going to message you and say, we're working on the issues. So it's a lot harder to get good reviews than bad reviews. So how can we leverage them? First of all, we want to turn them into amazing content. Whenever I'm making a social media map for a client and planning out, right? Because social media is a recipe. It's a map. Um, we post about essentially the same things each and every week, but the content changes. So we're always trying to highlight good reviews, good partners, good people that have worked with us because those are your cheerleaders. You know, it's way better to say this person works with Social Jack and can praise about us than to say, this is why we're awesome. You know, you always want to listen to that third party. It's almost influencer marketing. If you look at it, that person has a network and they have somebody that they influence and them tell their network that you're great is better than you telling your network that you're great. So turn that into content. If you can get pictures of somebody very happy with their products or their services um, in a meeting, in a, a, a coaching session, in a meetup, whatever it is, wearing your product, your jewelry. I know Julie's online and she sells jewelry. So things like that, that you can get pictures of that you can post that if you post the great reviews. That's just content that speaks for you. You know, all brands need cheerleaders and that's a great way to leverage it. Um, another thing to keep in mind when you're looking for reviews is don't ignore them. So when I was at Wild Adventures at the theme park, one thing we really made our important in our social strategy is to answer reviews and recognize them. Whenever somebody would complain that, you know, it was a busy day in South Georgia at the theme park and the bathrooms were dirty, they go straight to, to Facebook and make a comment and we would reach out immediately. You know, thank you for bringing this to our attention. We're going to direct message you and, and, and ensure you that the project, the problem has been fixed. So don't just ignore it. Don't just let them go by. See how you can make the issue fixed, just like you would in real life. If somebody came into your store and complained, this wasn't up to my standards, you, know, you wouldn't say, oh, sorry, or just look at them blankly. You would address the issue. You would respond. You would help fix it. You would help retain the customer. So that's a really important part of social strategy to use reviews is to answer um, and make it right. And then also, you know, um, when you're promoting your services, when you're using things like Google, your business, I love that Jackson said that it helps, um, gain trust, but it's also all about credibility. You know, yeah. how 
times do you get, I mean, Facebook, you got to love it. It's made it so easy for small to mid-sized businesses to create ads and reach a whole new audience. But how many times have you gotten an ad for something and you're like, wow, this is awesome. And you go click on the reviews and they're all negative. You know, I mean, it's terrible. So, so use that for a form of credibility when you're shopping, when you're working with someone um, for yourself, you know, look at those reviews and take them with a grain of salt. Well, is this an issue with my product that we can easily fit versus just this is somebody trying to tarnish our name? Because I think when you really dig down deep, more times than not, it's someone trying to help as opposed to somebody just, you know, trashing you online. Yeah. And you're always going to get, I think, those those folks. Um, What's interesting um, about this is, you know, we talked a little bit a few weeks ago about Google My Business being um, sort of a newer play. And we've incorporated that into our client setups. And and it's something uh, to for everyone to pay attention to. But it still pulls in all those Google reviews. And what's interesting is it also ties into Facebook. So here's a platform where Google's being smart and they're, they're drawing all the social media platforms to Google and even making Google stronger. But, you know, and you can put posts on there now, too. So it's mm-hmm. sort of now Google Plus has been sunsetted. Google My Business has come to the forefront. So, yeah. And to piggyback off of that, I would say that. Uh, Facebook is another great place to encourage your users, your followers to, you know, leave reviews because that's also going to, like I said, you know, build trust. And like Kate said, credibility, when people are like, why should I like this page? Why should I follow this page? Like, I mean, why, why would I want to see what they're posting and those reviews are going to be proof of why, Oh, they post, you know, thought leadership content, they post, you know, uh, cool new gadgets that they're releasing, things like that. That's not what we don't do that. But I mean, that's it. <laughs> we, 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 don't, we don't have gadgets, but uh, um, we have tools. <laughs> we do have tools. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, it's that sort of mentality is, you know, people, it's basically justifying why you should buy this, per, buy this, you know, product, why you should subscribe to this channel things along that nature. And I, I think that's, I mean, what we're all striving for is to get more, you know, people to see our content, engaging with our content. And that's another great way to do it is just by having people leave a Facebook review, leaving a Facebook review, and then that'll get pulled over to your Google My Business review. And that is, you know, again, going to help with SEO. People are going to be able to find your Facebook easier. People are going to be able to, you know, connect with you on social better engage with your content and um you know what uh dean and kate were saying you know with google my business uh another great campaign that they ran was small thanks with google we we discussed this uh you know uh, a few months ago but what they did was they allowed you to just type in your uh company's name and then have uh, marketing items encouraging more positive reviews. Hey, we're on Google My Business. Make sure to leave us a review. Things like that. Also, posters with you know their uh, people's reviews on them, so they can hang them uh, you know in their store on their storefront. Things like that. It's a great way to just encourage people. Oh, look at that! Someone left you know this review. You know, and then it, it, people think about it. Oh, maybe I should go leave a review. And it was was interesting that they did physical content. Remember, Kate, we were looking at the table cards, tent cards, posters you could print out. And I think some of it was free where they were just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, They they give you a package of like, you know, a poster, a couple uh, window stickers and, uh, you know, downloadable content. So anything you can download, you download any of it for free and have it printed elsewhere. Um, things like that, but also they would deliver it for you for free. That's just for the first time. Uh, but anytime after that, you can download any of their social media posts that would show the, uh, you know, a nice graphic, uh, capturing, you know, attention. And then all of a sudden it has the, uh, quote in the middle from their review. So that it's a really cool way to encourage other users. I would really, uh, you know, encourage you to check it out. It'll be in the show notes. I'll put a link in there to the uh, small thanks with Google, but that's a, you know, a great, that is a great tool. 
Yeah, and Kate, while we have uh, one more minute, um, I, I have, everybody always asks about Yelp. Uh, I know on B2C, it seems to still be a go-to place and they index very well. Uh, I call them, um, you know, uh, I, I don't favor them because uh, some of the things they've been caught up in before. I don't know if they've cleaned that up, but um, uh, any any comment on the B2B side with Yelp? Um, I actually don't have a lot of experience with the B2B side as Yelp. I, like Jackson, look at it for um, restaurants and things yeah. like that. That's more where I'm at, but um, I'd be interested to know if anybody else did. I don't, I haven't checked it out a lot for that. Yeah, we don't, we don't work, you know, super hard into Yelp uh, because we're mostly on the B2B side, but, uh, but I do look at it for comments and reviews, but again, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm always suspicious about that. So really the top three we talked about here was Google My Business uh, we have Yelp and Facebook seem to be the top three plays, right? So I'm curious again from the audience if you have some, go ahead and comment in on that. So, yeah, we'd love. And also, while we're talking about this, I just kind of want to make some everybody aware of something that Joe told us recently. Um, if you haven't set up a Google My Business account, you know, make sure you go onto Google and at least claim the account because one thing that a lot of um, less reputable companies are doing is they claim your account for you, then more or less try to sell it to you or sell you the services to get it set up. Um, if you haven't done that yet, if you haven't claimed your uh, Google business account, make sure at the bare minimum, you just go claim it and have it so that you have it in possession. So when you, you know, obviously this is overwhelming. There's a lot of things that, you know, we recommend you changing all the time and you can only focus on, you know, tidbits. So if it's something you plan to do in the future, which you should just make sure you claim it for now. And you can do that with any Google email address, um, go through the process of getting it set up. So at a later date, if you have time to focus on it, you can do so then. Go ahead. Like I, like I said, this is a great article. Yeah, no, um, I got this. <laughs> um, this is a great article and I encourage you to check it out. I'll tweet out the article, uh, you know, in the next, you know, few minutes here. And I will, uh, you know, make sure to, it, we'll put it in the show notes on YouTube and all available channels on, uh, for podcasts. You'll be able to like, find the link there as well as in the resource center on Social Jack. And don't forget to tweet to us throughout the week and let us know what kind of, uh, you know, information are you guys looking for? Because, you know, we'll uh, make sure to dive in and discuss anything like that. You can also... Uh, if you're watching the recording of this, comment below. Uh, make sure to leave us a review on the uh, YouTube, iTunes, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, now Spotify. We are on Spotify, everyone. So make sure to leave reviews, like, share, and uh, tweet to us if you have any questions or if you want uh, you know, a different mix of articles and things like that shown on the uh, episode. So... All right. So that ends the uh, news segment. So uh, thanks for thanks you guys for digging into that. And I think um, it's it's always a moving target. So it's always good to cover. So uh, let's jump into our next segment, which is our interview segment. So this is going to be interesting. Um, all right, everybody. So welcome to another uh, episode of the Influence Factory. This week's uh, influencer guests are Kate Jackson and Dean Delisle. So uh, the cool thing about that is uh, you know that we do a ton of influencer marketing. So uh, anytime we have a guest that, uh, that maybe can't make the show or we just feel like there's things that you need to know, uh, we take the experiences that we get in working with all of our clients and we bring it to you so you can learn how to increase your business influence. So, Kate, welcome to the program. Thank you. <laughs> Jackson, welcome to the program. Thanks. <laughs> so, uh, oh, Dean, things... welcome to the program. Sorry, oh, thank, we you, thank you. Yeah. So, one of the things I want to, um, our topic for today is called scouting and drafting. Now, uh, those of you uh, that are on with us live today, and if not, you can tweet this out, but what is your favorite sport in the sporting world? Like, what do you follow? What do you love? Uh, it could be anything from hockey to football to basketball to baseball. Maybe you have a, a favorite team that you follow. So most of you know I'm a Cubs fan, um, Bears fan, Hawks fan. Uh, mostly those are the top ones. 
Uh, and I, yes, I do go to Sox games for those Sox fans that want to yell at me for going to Sox games, but I go to those too. Uh, but uh, in terms of your favorite, type that in what your favorite is. Uh, Kate, what's your favorite team? Chicago Bears, of course. <laughs> Rawr, especially after this last year, huh? So we yeah. have... Uh, we have Jackie uh, checking in with the Clemson Tigers, Rick, uh, Red Sox, and Blackhawks. We have Bears fans coming in. Jackson, what about you? I would have to say Cubs. It's the only sport I ever played as a kid, even though it was a short stint. And I, <laughs> yeah, I'm not a sports guy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, and then I always followed, it was raised Cubby Blue. So that's just how it is. <laughs> yeah. And Tracy is Packers. And uh, yes, we love the Packers as well. So uh, uh, Packers fans, how about that? We'll go that far. So uh, anyway, the, uh, yes. And so we have the Rangers coming in too. So uh, nice. Uh, she's uh, Julie said her cousin is on the bench. Oh, good. So uh, that's good. That'll play in today. And we have the Loyola Ramblers coming into this uh, thing. So um so, uh, so anyway, I'm just laughing at the comments coming in from the audience. So let's set a little context for this. So I spent, um, I spent almost a decade, uh, almost uh, three decades ago, uh, really studying the sports teams. I had, um, I don't know if you guys remember the Bears when they won, uh, right after they won the Super Bowl, Walter Payton was still with us and and there was a lot of uh, cool things. Well, uh, they were a client of ours and I had the excitement <clears throat> of hanging out at Hallis Hall and I got to go in what was called the war room. Now the war room is a room where if you've ever seen the movie draft day, or you've ever heard of that term, all sports teams have what's called a war room. And that's where they plot. They're, they're going to battle, you know, and so they plot who they're going to get on their team and how they're going to position their team. And this gets really heated up toward draft day for each individual sport. But they also use it on a regular basis to plot out the next game, um, to do midseason trades and, and positioning of players, et cetera. So uh, I, I had time uh, in the war rooms. I also got to spend some time with uh, the scouts and the GM. So uh, I did this for several sports. I did this for the Blackhawks, the Bears, the Sox. Uh, at that time, I did not do it with the Cubs. I did it later with the Cubs and the Bears, and then also um, Chicago Fire, which is the local uh, soccer team. So in terms of, of what I learned was that championship teams, you know, we all have good years and bad years. So I'm sure you guys can can almost recall when the Bears uh, had a bad year or the Cubs or the Loyola Ramblers or the and the Packers recently had a rough or year. Or the so. Bulls. Yeah, the Bulls. <laughs> I, like, I like basketball. I just can't watch the Bulls. <laughs> I know. Right now it's rough. So so everybody's been through that, right? And, and so what's the famous saying in Chicago? Well, we'll wait till next year, you know. The rebuilding so, year. The rebuilding, right? Right. So in the interest of that, I drew a parallel between top producers in sales and top um, performing companies, uh, including CEOs, management teams, et cetera, and found there was, there was a parallel of scouting and drafting the best team members uh, in your network to the performance and the outcome of that performance. And so in doing that, I said, hmm, there's a lot of parallels here. And it's fun because I like sports. I'm going to create a process called scouting and drafting. And so I utilized that and, and really kicked it off in business world probably 20 years ago when I first got certified as a business coach. And, and then it became a, a really hot thing when social media came along. So, uh, Kate, what I would like you to do is from your perspective – um, what do you see? Cause, cause you know, it's new to you as of a year and a few months now or a year and a half. So, so what have you seen in, in our version of scouting and drafting as it pertains to even just LinkedIn? Yeah. So right now I'm seeing a lot of trending on LinkedIn and particularly on LinkedIn as people building their tribe. Um, that's kind of what they're talking about right now. So, so the LinkedIn culture has shifted just tremendously in the past couple of years. And it's really become about genuine relationships and people are really, you know, as I say, putting the social back in social media, starting conversations and starting to talk to people and using it 
as a really good networking tool. Um, one way I've done that is through LinkedIn Local. When I got involved with LinkedIn Local, it's a it's a LinkedIn networking event. And so I went and added everybody on LinkedIn who's involved with LinkedIn Local because I figured it's a great way to collaborate, talk about themes because there's LinkedIn Local chapters all over the globe, not just the United States. So it's a great way to collaborate and talk about themes. And there's like a Slack community. Um, if you're not familiar with Slack, it's like a it's like a messaging platform where you can add people into group chats. But I was thinking like, well, why is there nothing on LinkedIn when it's about LinkedIn? And so as I was reaching out, I really found that nobody does that. Nobody goes and adds people. And so I've started a lot of really good communities and conversations with other hosts. And we've been talking about themes and ideas. And so that's kind of where it really hits home for me is that people are out there talking about building their tribe and, and selecting their network that way. And LinkedIn has made it open so we can do that with people around the globe. You know, you don't actually have to like know people. (laughs) And so it's interesting that that's kind of the trend right now is that people are building their tribe, but that's just, I mean, that's just scouting and drafting. It's just social teaming. It's building exactly who you want in your network, your A players, and who's always going to be there for you. Yeah, so um, so excellent. And Jackson, you were around in the early years of scouting and drafting, and actually you were practicing it before you knew you were practicing it as it pertains to theater. Um, and so, um, so what's interesting, Kate, is when you came to Chicago, um, you really weren't doing much of anything on LinkedIn. You had just started, and that's how we connected, right? So you connected to me, even though we didn't know each other, with the intent that you wanted to come back to Chicago. And so, so we became connected through our networks. And then all of a sudden, uh, you're, uh, you know, now all of a sudden you're an influencer on LinkedIn in a short year and a half, and you're well connected, right? So you have a social team around LinkedIn local and around social Jack and and around all the things that we're building. And we'll get to the science of this in a minute. Mm -hmm. Um, Jackson, with you, uh, we watched this um, even during your sport short sports career. Uh, you got drafted on some good teams and and then and then when you shifted to theater, um, it was it was sort of cool to watch social teaming because I wasn't familiar with the theater world. And so I want to put this in different context, but because we built um, a team, a tribe, however you want to call it, we call it social team, around the theater community in Northwest Indiana, you then began to be known, uh, to be, um, uh, you know, asked uh, to to be casted for a part. I know they don't call them tryouts. They're, uh, what do they call them? Uh, auditions. auditions. Auditions, thank you. So uh, that you get called for auditions. But don't call when you like try out for a sport. Don't call that an audition. People get weird about that. Because <laughs> like I've spent more time in the theater world and I'd be like, oh, are they on auditions? They're like, for football, yeah. Like, <laughs> I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I don't know. Like, it's not my, I can't throw a football. Like, <laughs> Well, what's interesting now is all of a sudden, you know, you uh, some people know you've always spent most of your time in comedy. So now your work, you have a second city network tribe social team going right now. And, and you guys are, are forming a team around you and a lot of connections. And early on, you wanted to go to SNL and things like that. So now you're, you're connected to writers and directors. And so, well, yeah. I mean, I would still go to SNL if Lauren Michaels called me today. And so you're only like one that. degree from him right now. So, <laughs> but so, yeah. So, so starting, uh, you know, I graduated high school and I went right into uh, taking classes at Improv Olympics in Chicago, right. and I started building my network there. Then I realized the overlap between that and Second City. I had to wait a year in order to start because uh, you know you had to be 19 in order to do uh, Second City stuff. So then once I turned 19, I was on it. I jumped into Second City, started you know just seeing shows, connecting with the people I saw on stage, and kind of building rapport that way. And I, I realized people that I was connected to from my, you know, theater community in high school were connected to people at Second City and even a couple who had made it to SNL. 
from Second City. So it was like, I'm two degrees away from, you know, this person and, you know, a couple degrees away from this person, which is a very, you know, insane thing, especially when you're talking about, you know, people that you're watching on TV and you're like, what? No. But um, it's it's a very uh, cool uh, skill to have is, you know, just social teaming and doing that. And a very great process in, you know, picking the people that are going to help benefit you, that it's going to be a meaningful connection. And I, you know, that's probably the biggest part of it is that it's meaningful, that it, you know, it's beneficial on both sides. So absolutely. No, I think that's mutuality, right? So, so before we get back to Kate on this, I'm going to set a little context into the structure and science of what both Kate just described and Jackson just described. So the science of this, and this this uh, addresses a question we had from Tracy as well. Um, so we always tell you to treat LinkedIn like a big networking event. So who are my networking event people out there? Tweet out, yes, I'm a networker, you know, or I love events. So as you network into events, you know people, and then there's people you don't know. So just like an event you'll go, you know, if I see Kate, I'm like, Kate, you know, I really want to deal. I really want to connect to people that are sales leaders in the room because I want them to buy more social selling programs. And she already knows a little bit about what I do and how to connect me and who I want. And you'll go, oh, you have to meet Joe Smith and 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 you need to meet Karen. And, and she'll begin to point out people that I need to know. Um, And so we'll do that through a networking style conversational function. So in that process, we are scouting. And the minute I make the connection and choose that that's a good person and I want to spend more time with them in relationship, meaning I can help them, they can help me, right? There's mutuality. I then go in and now I'm drafting that person onto my team. I'm making a decision because I only have, we only have so much bandwidth of who we can spend our time with. And most of us, the challenge that I saw over the, over the decades is we get into a comfort zone of having initial contacts, initial people that, that we're comfortable with, and then we hang on to them and we never grow any farther. We never get any farther in our career. We never get any farther in you know, building our influence within that industry. And so so we really need to be conscious every day of scouting and drafting. So at Social Jack, we say every day is draft day. And in fact, in my new book, I wrote a I wrote a whole chapter on this, but then I allude to it in the surrounding chapters. And we've taught this. If you've ever taken our influencer development program or you've taken our social selling or any other program, it's it's woven in. So, Kate, in the structure, you seem to be doing this consciously and unconsciously, and it's become a habit for you now, and you also do it for our clients. You have a whole scouting and drafting team. Mm-hmm. So, so for a minute, can you just describe like what your team does, sort of the process of helping somebody build this network and connect to people that are connected to them that are ideal, and then how that works? Yeah, so what I teach my scouts and what we go by is that you're always connecting up. Okay, so that's that's the strategy. If you keep that in mind, it will make sense. You're connecting up. You have a target, right? You have, and it's whatever your goals are and they're different for each client. They're different for each person that's listening right now. If you want to do more business, who is your ideal target and who are you connecting up to? If you want to get booked on podcasts, Who's your ideal target and who are you connecting up to, right? Yep, if you want speaking gigs, whatever it is that you want, when you define your goal of networking, and that's another thing is it's just like going to a networking event to what you said, LinkedIn is no different. There should be value and a goal behind your networking. We're consciously networking. We're not on Instagram, right, where we just want all the followers and we're at we're following everybody and just hopes that they follow us back. We're doing it with consciousness. We're we're connecting to the people that we want to have relationships with and do business with, whatever that business is. So we're always connecting up. So 
what our scouts do is by best rule of thumb, we, we teach that it's 30 connections a week will make the hugest difference. 30 connections a week. So each week they go in and they find 30 people that our clients should be connected to already based on the certain criteria that we go over with the client. So it's whatever it is. It's it's for Dean, it's sales leaders, right? We're looking for the, the head of sales, officer of sales, whatever that is. Sales I have, I have my new book coming up. So I'm looking for higher end interviews and people that- right conferences and corporate executives. Yeah, absolutely. And then we we ask the client if there's any kind of location, you know, restriction. Some people only want to do business local. Some people are national. Social Jack is global right now. We're in Malaysia. So it's it's whatever the client wants and and it's but it's those restrictions that you can set for yourself. And LinkedIn helps you search for people within that parameters. So if you can't work with a system like us, you know, you can do the same thing for yourself and you can make it a goal that every week you go add 30 people into your network that are around this parameter and you just add them. You're connecting up. They're the ideal target for you, right? So that this is what we teach. And actually my roommate, um, Josh, who's a licensed marriage and family therapist, moved to Chicago and jumped into private practice, had to find all of his own clients. He was making videos on LinkedIn and saying, why is nobody responding to my content? Like, well, you have a hundred connections, so nobody's seeing it. So I put him on the same strategy recently where every week, every Monday, he has it on his calendar to go add 30 healthcare professionals that are active on LinkedIn. You know, he said he doesn't care where they are. They can be global. He's looking for people to collaborate on videos. And he's now up over hundred or 500 connections within the matter of two weeks. Because once he started engaging with people, other people started seeing his content. So we're always looking at connecting up. You're looking at your target. Now, in terms of who you add into your network, we got this question from Tracy and she asked, you know, who am I supposed to be adding? Because I get all these different requests. If you think of it as connecting up, you want to add everybody who adds you because they might be connecting up right? They see some value in your content. They see that you're putting out things that they want to see more of. They see maybe doing business or collaborating. So just because you don't know them, you definitely want to add them. Everybody that connects with you, you want to add. Yeah, I'm going to add to that. I, I like to, like for myself, I like to, um, I like to do a, a mutuality test. So you know, I'll have people, um, I get enticed by people that really want to sell me out of the gate because it's an opportunity for us to sell them a package about being more genuine and authentic <laughs> because <laughs> they're not, <laughs> they're stepping all over their lips in the, uh, in the, you know, direct messaging. <clears throat> so I'm like, um, wow, I, you know, cause I, I'll just come back and I'll go, that's offensive. And they'll go, what, what do you mean? And I'll go, you don't eat, you don't know anything about me. You don't even want to know anything about me. You just want me to buy your product. I said, that's offensive. And I've picked up more meetings just replying to people that way. And actually I have people on my current team that now are like amazing people that I was like, oh wow, you know, I just like called them out on it. So I think we're in a pattern of people adding people, but not looking for the mutuality. Now what's different between a live event is I mentioned about how I would ask Kate or Jackson, who should I meet here? And they would have more insights for me on a personal or professional level. Um, so in doing that, I, I literally now can look at my, you know, any LinkedIn profiles and get a sense for not only who they are, what they're about, what matters to them. And I can look at their activity. Remember, we showed you how to do this months and months ago. You can look at people's activity, even if they're a third degree connection, unless they turn it off. And most people don't know how to turn it off. But you can see who they're talking to and what they're talking about. And to me, that's invaluable. So I do, I do a 60 second scan where I go to their profile and go, do I see mutuality here? Does it make sense? Sure, I'll connect, but not with the intent to have a conversation, whether it's you're offending me, you're offensive, <laughs> or great, I would love to have a conversation. In fact, Kate, I didn't even tell you this. I had somebody that connected and uh, the one, the gentleman had said, um, you know, I'm really love what Social Jack is doing. I love what you've got. And he mentioned a few things and he, he's like, 
I would love to uh, figure out a way to work for you guys. Like he's basically asking for a job, but the way he did it was he, he was thoughtful about knowing about us and, and knowing about me. So I was like, yeah, I'm not even just like going to do a phone interview. I'm like, yeah, let's just grab coffee. So I was like, (laughs) I like the way he, you know, he feels like a, a potential cultural fit. Mm-hmm. So not just for the network, right, but for the for the company. So so think about what that, you know, h- how cool that is, and and I want everyone to think about that. So I'd love people to chime in. On average, how many good good mutual connections that are targeted do you add per week? Um, and while you're typing that in, uh, uh, Jackie asks a great question. Do you shy away from LinkedIn members with low number of connections? Does that indicate low activity? Not at all. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care if you just have 20 connections. In fact, that shows me that you're careful. That shows me that, um, and, and maybe you're not as active, but man, are you guarded. So that means your network is precious and you care about your network. So that's how I read that. Um, so, uh, so I like that. Um, well, now if they only have 20, you know, connections and like no profile picture, a very like <laughs> yeah. no summary, then I'll, you know. Yeah, usually, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's clarify. That's good. But yes, if they have a well put together profile and they have a low number of connections, the odds are they're just selective. You know, if, if you look at their activity and they're just very careful, like Dean said, of who they're going to let into their network. They are protecting their network from people that, you know, maybe are just, like Dean said, spamming with sales stuff. People who are, you know, not genuine, not authentic about it. Uh, it just you, across the board, things like that. So, uh, but that's a great question. Thank you for asking. Yeah. I love to sell salespeople. Bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> Kate, you run into this. You you do a lot of networking as well. Um, so uh, so you know, Julie asks a great question here. It's like when you get somebody that you're going to connect with, do do you jump to other platforms? No, never, never. And the reason I don't is because I don't want people to do that to me. I don't want people to look me up on Facebook. And, um, you know, while I think while it is important that all your social media is updated, I don't personally want to do business on Facebook. That's just me. My Facebook is locked down. It's private. You can't, as Dean knows, you can't tag me in pictures unless I approve them. Um, because my, my parents are on Facebook, my grandparents are on Facebook. I just like, and, and Facebook gives a lot more of your information away. Facebook, when you know what I mean, the ability is more easy to check in places or people check you in places. So people know where I am more and what I'm doing. So I try to keep my Facebook life just more private as a whole. And I expect that in return. That's just me personally. So let me give you my personal on there because it's different. It's important that you hear this uh, because um, we're going to talk about differentiating factors and uh, something called preferential communication in the time that we have left. So when I when I hear that I'm going to go connect or meet with somebody, now this is different than you know just a pure digital, but I hear that I'm going to go have a meeting with you, and I look on LinkedIn and you're a little less connected, but you have an open Facebook or you might be open on Instagram with your name. Uh, and I, and I just find it via Google. I it usually you can find out where people are. I look for, uh, mutual human factors. So this means that I want to know, are we both Cubs fans? Are we Cubs Sox fans? Um, you know, one of my one of my good friends and colleagues throughout GE Global, uh, he's um, he's a Cincinnati Reds fan, and they kicked our butt last night. But we talk baseball all the time. It's a common factor. We know trades that are going on. Kate, you remember how I was saying? Oh, you know, Pedro Strobe's injured. Yeah, I, I have no clue what's going on in the mainstream news, but I can tell you the injury report for you know Major League Baseball. And, and football during football season. So, you know, my brain can only retain so many things, but I will look 
for common factors. And I've generated so many meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I had a CFO last year that was rolling stones on his Facebook profile in Chicago Bulls. I knew exactly how to have a conversation with him and it helped build rapport right out of the gate. So I use it more and, and, you know, if they're open, they're open. If they're closed, I can't see anything. So, um, so the idea is from a tactical perspective, I look for those factors that can maybe shortcut four or five, six conversations to find that out. And back in the day, we would have to do that. We'd have to have five, six, seven meetings and, and actually CRM best practice was, um, Rick, you might remember this, but it was the McKay 66. It was 66 data points when you knew you actually had a relationship with somebody and you could find out all these data points on them, like their family, what they love to do, where they vacation. It's like now you're in relationship because you have all these data points. Well, the fortunate thing is with social media, you can find out a little bit more about what people are doing, but do not, do not go connecting to them on those platforms or talking to them on those platforms. That's, that's uh, to me, that's out of bounds. Mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. Now, what I don't know is uh, Jackson, I think you and Kate way more spend time on uh, platforms like Snapchat and things like that. And I have no idea other than I get notifications that I've been snapped, I think, or whatever it's called. Um, like, how, do, how does that even play into the, B, the B2B world? I have no clue. So, uh, so don't ask me about that. I mean, things like Snapchat and, uh, you know, I'll even go as far to say uh, Instagram are going to be more for humanizing the brand, not necessarily making those meaningful connections, you're still going to, you know, keep up with engagement, or, you know, reply to questions, people are commenting, uh, things along those lines, you know, commenting on other posts. Uh, these are all things that you, you will do. Uh, you know, that's more Instagram posts, commenting on stuff like that. Snapchat is more just, uh, you it's know, more like, one-on-one, isn't it? It's like, more uh, one-on-one. It's, it's yeah. a lot more direct. So you can send to individual people, post to your story. Uh, stories are very cool for, you know, like I said, humanizing the brand. Uh, but, but don't they disappear uh, after a minute? Like, after, or, yeah, after like 20, yeah. 24 hours. So, but I, you know, the biggest thing I would say is, uh, you know, not necessarily, you, you can look into uh, Snapchat ads uh, for your services and things like that. I see other businesses promoting things like that on uh, Snapchat all the time, but Instagram would be more of the place to uh, you get that uh, experience, but also have that connecting, commenting, engaging with other people, having people engage with your uh, stuff, posting to stories. You can do that on uh, Instagram as well. And it, and it feels more open, doesn't it? You know, uh, you know, so like, um, Kate, like it feels like Instagram, it's almost like different, like LinkedIn, you want to see some mutuality in there, some future benefit. But to me, it almost seems like I connect to, to one person and I get 10 of their friends connecting to me. And I like, okay, I'm just getting used to this, right? So is that, oh, I mean, that's that's acceptable, right? Like, that's what people- Yeah, mean. I just think the general rule of thumb that we are in right now is that Instagram and Snapchat are more for followers. So if you're just wanting followers, that's why uh, Jackson said it's more for um, humanizing the brand because it's more for brand- um, awareness. Awareness. Thank you. I don't know why that word escaped me. I could tell, tell what was on the tip of your tongue. I'm like, it's yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if you look at us, if you look at us on, if you look at us across platforms, you're going to see more of who we are. So on Instagram, you're going to see more pictures of the people behind the scenes. We're not really expecting a ton of engagement on Instagram because we don't have a product to sell. Our product is our team. Right. So I'm posting pictures of the interns. We're posting pictures of events. That's the product that we can showcase the humanizing behind the brand. Yeah. Where if you look at us on LinkedIn, where we're more sharing thought leadership content, we're sharing webinars. You know, that's where we're trying to build relationships. We're trying to invite you into our network to learn from us and collaborate with us and grow with us. That's kind of where our strategy more is. And so it's, it's preferential communication on social media, like where your people are and how they interact there. You're going to talk to them a little bit different on LinkedIn 
that you would on Instagram and, and on Snapchat. And you might not find a need for Snapchat, but the, the important part of it is more of showcasing the service or the product that you're selling um, and less real relationship building because the interactions are short and they disappear after a certain amount of time. Yeah. And, um, one, one of the things I learned, um, I learned a term, you know, how there's vegetarian and and people that have restrictions in diet and there's something called a flexitarian, which means that depending on the mood I'm in, I might not do dairy today. I might not do, um, I might not do meat for a week. You know, I'm flexible. It's called a flexitarian. And it's, it's so millennial of you. I know, you know, and I was, <laughs> when they, when, when uh, Rick Bayless was, they were announcing that I'm like, that's me when we were at that show. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh my God, I'm a flexitarian. And so I was so excited to find my identity. So <laughs> I got to put that in my LinkedIn profile. So anyway, but what I'm saying is, for most of us, it's an evolution. Our communication is an evolution. So by which, you know, I always tell people, text me if you want to get a hold of me. And I just give them, I give people my cell phone number. You want to get me? Just text me. That's the best way. Emails get dropped. Um, phone messages as my lights blinking, those get dropped. Um, things fall through the cracks and social media. Um, I'm really good typically in my LinkedIn messages. So LinkedIn messages, texting and email third is my preferential, you know, way to communicate with me, but that's just Dean, you know? So Kate, if somebody were to communicate with you, what is the number one best way for them to communicate with you? Uh, I think I'm over, I think I'm all over the map too. But what would be the preference? LinkedIn, probably LinkedIn message. It used to be text, but I'm not going to lie. My text, my phone annoys me so much. Really Group does. texting is a disaster, but that's another episode. <laughs> yeah, no, my phone, because I have so many notifications now for us, for the clients, for personal projects, for work, and everything comes to my phone that a lot of times I just am over here flipping it over go away. I can't look at you. I can't look at you right now. So I'm, so I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask the audience, if you had one way to connect with the world, which one would you pick? Would it be a social media platform texting? I'm on WeChat because of the, is that what we're on Jackson for Asia? Isn't it? WeChat? Yeah. 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 So anyway, I got that. So Jackson, if you only had one. If I only had one, I would probably say, uh, you know, LinkedIn messages is a good way to get a hold of me. Uh, but just yeah, one. I know, I know. I'm all I'm all over the place. Honestly, I see my texts. I have them. I have a, a Google, I use Google Messages, so it I can see them on my laptop because otherwise, like Kate said, you know, I'll constantly get annoyed with my phone. But I put my phone on silent, and then like I just see a blinking light in the corner of my screen. So oh, yeah, and I love it. Tracy just said speech text. You guys know I got that going on. So <laughs> yeah. Morgan's laughing because she gets all of my typos or my speechos, I call them. We all get all your typos. (laughs) Yeah, I know my speech. Yeah, Yeah, the whole world, the whole audience actually gets my typos. (laughs) I I love Julie Clark said she likes to pick up the phone. That's old school and I love it. And I think there's so much value in it that we don't talk about it enough. Oh, you know, I do. Yeah, I I do that too. That's a good call. I pick up the phone a lot and I make calls out Mm -hmm. if they're spam, so. Yeah, I agree because it's a much more efficient way of handling things. It's like there, it's done. You know, you said what you had to say, and you, you know, what I mean, mm-hmm. texting, like, you know, hey, you know, it's, then you got to wait for a response. Where on the phone, it's immediate. So I, I like that a lot. Yeah, was it was it Rick that said last week that he calls somebody on the phone each day coming home from work? Was that you, Rick? Because I really liked that, and I tried that like in the past week and a half where I've just picked up the phone and called some people that I needed to talk to. So that was a really good tip for me. Thank you for that. Yeah. And part of scouting a drafting is, um, yeah, he calls three people a day to randomly say hi. So, and you can do that on social media too, just to pop them a note. And and again, it depends where they hang out too. So what I meant by preferential communication is, oh, now I know that this is the way to talk to Kate or to Jackson or to Julie or to Noel. Now I know, oh, Noel's, Noel, Noel's not going to respond to my email as quick as if I text him, you know? So, right. so you have to learn that. And, um, 
gosh, I hope they come out with a technology that goes, the best way to get a hold of this person is to write Morgan's like jumping up and down, like, oh my gosh, they won't respond to my emails. <laughs> I feel you, Morgan. I'm in yeah, the I know. game too. <laughs> but we do know, and now we, uh, now we gang up, you know, on clients in a good way. So there'll be times where Kate and I are collaborating and she's like, could we do one of those text messages where three of us are in there so they respond? And so we team up. That's social team. Yes. <laughs> now, my social teaming tip is when somebody doesn't respond to me, I go in on Dean's LinkedIn and message them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's Dean. <laughs> <laughs> There's always a way. There's always a way. The one thing that we didn't cover and we're out of time is to think about this is to Rick's point is one of the processes that we teach in social selling on social teaming is we call it, we used to call it too old too new. And I want you to just think about the effectiveness of what I'm about to tell you. <clears throat> so as you build and you collect a reliable team around you, uh, call every day, call two people on your team. And to Rick's point, it could it's really to build relationship. It's not for any ask. It's not for anything uh, intentional out of the gate. It's just to build rapport, relationship, and stay top of mind in the relationship. Uh, and then call two new people. Now, new people look like, um, and I know if you're on the podcast, you can't see me holding up these business cards, but these are people I've met that I've decided that I want to talk with and explore. I'm scouting them and explore drafting them on my team. I call two of those a day. So now if I call two people on my team per day, two new people per day, I'm building that scouting and drafting engine of, of unlimited amount of referrals and business. And it's a very simple process. And I developed it <clears throat> way before LinkedIn. It was designed for busy CEOs that don't have time to talk to, you know, I said, what's, what's the tolerance? How many people could you really handle talking to in the busiest day? And they said four was the average. So that's how I developed that too old, too new, which is, you know, two from your team and two from uh, what we call the farm team, you know. So if you have somebody that you're drafting, you pull them up from the farm team. But um, so hopefully everybody got uh, some good lessons. So I'm curious if you could type in uh, what you learned today for yourself or what you're going to do, maybe just a little bit differently, that one thing that we always ask you to take away. And remember, remember before we announce our winners <clears throat> for today's uh, uh, Starbucks gift cards, um, we really want to know that you're going to teach someone uh, something valuable that you learned from Kate, Jackson, or myself as we were talking. So um, and as people are typing in here, love the 30 connections a week, you know, and, and, uh, you know, and other comments that are coming in, we appreciate that. So, um, so Jackson, who's our two winners for today? Yeah. So for today we had, uh, Noel Christopher and, um, Julie Clark. So, right. Hey. So yeah, and those are only within the Zoom platform because Facebook was down today. Uh, so sorry. Go leave a review. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Now, and you people have a special responsibility is that when you take that person for coffee and all of you, when you take somebody for coffee today uh, or this week or your next cup of coffee, please teach them. Uh, something that you learned today that you're implementing for yourself and share that with somebody else that you care about. And uh, <laughs> Julie's going to bring us down uh, some bagels too. <laughs> and no, I think he's still in uh, Denver, right? No, is that where you're at? So we'll have to get out there and uh, have some coffee and maybe uh, some, some mountain brewskis too. Uh, Steamboat Springs. There you go. That doesn't, stink. So there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, Kate Jackson, thanks so much for today's episode. I think it's great for people to understand, uh, you know, really, really, really um, what we do for folks. And again, if you're interested in any of this for yourself, please don't hesitate for us to ask. Uh, things are um, super reasonable here and we work really hard for our clients and hopefully you're learning a lot from us on building your influence. So with that being said, from all of us here at Social Jack headquarters, we will uh, we will see y'all online. Take care. Bye.
Thank you for listening to the Influence Factory podcast. We welcome feedback and suggestions. You can provide these by visiting our website at www.myinfluencefactory.com. And if you are interested in Social Jack's 90 Days to Influence program, you can simply go to 90daystobusinessinfluence.com and simply ask for the next steps. While our program airs regularly on Zoom webcasts and Facebook Live on Wednesdays at noon central, we invite you to download episodes on your favorite channel, YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and who knows where else in the future. We will also provide occasional on-location live streams with special guests that we will announce in our community Facebook group, Business Influencer Alliance, as well as on all Social Jack channels. Our mission is to help you build your digital business influence with this podcast, as well as inspire, educate, and entertain those who are hungry to collaborate in a cool place with cool business professionals just like you.